Hey, it's Wednesday. Welcome to the big show. I mean, this is a really big show, a super big show. This is, uh, you know, everything else is downhill for the rest of the week. But today's show is uh, is really a great one. Nick DiPaolo is on with us. Oh, my, you, you really need to, to hear, you know, just the conversation, just the part about the history of lynching, uh, because you can't say that word now. Uh, and by the way, we debunk that. Also, uh, the Frenchy Frenchman, uh, Mitt Romney, what a coward. Uh, what it's, uh, w- what's happening in the life of Matt Lauer. John Ziegler is on. He just sat down with him all day yesterday. And he's like, I think, I think Rowan Farrow is the bad guy here. It's an unbelievable interview, as is the interview with Steven Crowder. All of it on today's Big Show podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. You know, another place that it's cold is uh, in the DNC right now. They're like, ah, ah, this could be McGovern. This could be like a massive, massive loss. Really? You think? Do you think? Well, you'd think if you were confident in a victory you wouldn't need impeachment, right? If you thought that the American people would see things the same way you see them, why would you bother with all of this? Yeah, you wouldn't wouldn't do it. You'd just win. You'd just win. You'd be like, it doesn't matter. He's he's not going to be around long anyway. They have zero confidence in a win. Which is amazing. I mean, like, look, for all the things, there are things that we really like that Trump has done, uh, but it's not as if he's an invincible poll machine. It's not like you're looking at, you know, uh, Reagan 84 here. No. You're not, it's not like you're looking at... You're looking, looking at a guy who is wounded. He's wounded, and he is also a guy who a lot of people didn't like. Yeah. A I, lot of people didn't like. A lot of people still don't like. And, and you haven't found anyone on your side that can beat him? They all, That's uh, incredible. It seems like they do see the vulnerability here. And, you know, we've talked about the, the impeachment thing as a tactic when it comes to, uh, you know, we go back to Clinton and people say, well, that didn't work. Eventually, Clinton leaves office in a very popular state. Um, but I think what, what, what a lot of people have, have not looked at here is that it's never really been tested this way. It's never really been tested impeachment before an election. No. It's always been in the second term. Mm-hmm at least in modern times for sure, mm-hmm. after the person got reelected, right? Like Nixon, you know, had a landslide election for 48 or 49 states. Uh, 49? I don't know. I don't know. I think it was, I think it was 49. Um, 49 states. He wins. It's an absolute landslide. And he comes in. And think of that moment. Like, is that moment even possible today? In 49 states, and people start looking at this information, and slowly the polls move, and, and they change, and they flip from him being incredibly popular to being incredibly unpopular, and then he re- resigns before impeachment. I think if it wasn't for impeachment, uh, because the polls, strangely, are moving in that direction, if it wasn't for this impeachment process, I think it, he could have done 49 states. Um. Meaning 48, maybe 48. Who are you talking states. about? Trump. Trump? 
I think, I, come on, man. I don't see any, I mean, look, you, you never know, you but I don't see any polling Elizabeth, that support that. You're, you're not, Elizabeth but Warren there's liberal head states. To head. I mean, like, you're not going to get, there's, there's 20 states that are never going to vote for a Republican right now. Like they're never going to vote for a Republican. Elizabeth you're, Warren. You're going to go in and win Rhode Island with Donald Trump. You have, you're going to go win. You, you're if, not going to win those states. If with, you have, okay, all right. Any so Republican. let's say, let's say, let's say, forty, forty states, thirty-five states, landslide in today's world, landslide. If you had Elizabeth Warren, yeah. who is talking about, yeah, we're going to get rid of the free market, and yeah, babies <laughs> can be killed after birth, <laughs> all of these things, yeah. the the average the average Democrat would look at that as you're standing in the in the polling booth, and you'd be like, I just can't. I just can't do it. They, there are, and they there know are, this. There's a why. There's a group of people that you're. I think you're right on, and and it's the group of people that changed the election for Donald Trump last time. Yes, it's the people that voted for Barack Obama. No, but still, and it now was, have moved. It, it was to Trump in 2016. It was still Hillary Clinton, and people didn't like her because she was corrupt. They still saw her more in the vein of her or of her husband that. You know, the Clintons, it was fine under the Clintons. Right. I, you know what I mean? They saw her as corrupt, and that's what they didn't like. But they didn't see her as who she, I think, really is, a Sololinskyite that wants, you know, wants to fundamentally change America. These people are no, they're saying, it. they're like, yeah. yeah, you know, another thing. I think we, red, white, and blue, who's sick of that? Because I'm sick of it. What do you say we have? Uh, black and red is oh, our flag. Oh, red and yellow, anyone? <laughs> I've got I mean, a cool... You ever see a hammer and a sickle <laughs> intertwined? I mean, it's crazy. No, I know. And I think that that, I do think the group is larger than last time with a person like Elizabeth Warren. And it's funny that the, how the Democrats have, quote unquote, learned their lesson from last time. Hey, let's run the exact same candidate, except more socialist. Yeah. More overtly socialist than the last one. So the people in the middle can't bring themselves to vote for the person, even if they don't like the way things are going. I mean, this um, is I, what is being said in their press. No, it's true. But it's that does not mean you get to 49 states. I mean, like, you are not th – that is not a borderline thing we're talking about. I, th th we are t way too partisan uh, at this point for that type of election, um, uh, with the exception of some massive event that we're not factoring in. I mean, you know, we – Let's get rid of all health insurance. No private health insurance. Yeah, but you look at those things, and those things poll – let's say – they're not popular, by the way. We should point out that Medicare for All as a policy is not popular. Um, even among Democrats, it's not all that popular. However, uh, there are still plenty of voters to win 20 states that like Medicare for all. And when you, and you get it to Medicare for all who want it, it winds up being relatively popular. That is not something that I think is a sane policy. Certainly not something that we can afford. I don't, I don't know if anyone has an extra 30, 40 trillion laying around. If you do, let me know. But it is a, uh, it is, I think we are, Part, the partisan divide is wide enough, and the voting splits in a lot of these states is wide enough that, like, you know, if you had the best Democrat in the world, some, you know, un incredible candidate, and you had the worst Republican in the world, like, they're still not winning Utah. They're still not winning Wyoming. That's just not going to happen in a presidential election at this time. These were, you know, Reagan was the last one really who was able to do this, 
Nixon before. I mean, I think you're right about that because we have proof. Mitt Romney wins in Utah, and he's probably one of the worst Republicans I've ever seen. (laughs) He won with 61% of the vote in that election. Yeah, he's this guy is he's sad. He's sad. I feel Uh, sorry for Mitt Romney. What is sad about a guy who was pretty close to being president of the United States feeling the need to hide on Twitter? Yeah. What is I mean, sad about guy, that? It here's sounds a guy, here's so... A, here's a guy who said, I could be president of the United States, and I'll stand up for what I what I believe. Really, will you? Here's a guy who ran Bain Capital, who has, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars, it has a great family, is loved in his state, won with 61% of the vote, is a respected guy. And he doesn't have the courage to voice his opinion on Twitter? What a coward. What a sad, pathetic life. I, I don't understand it. I mean, look, he, the things he would put on his little account there were generally... It's not like he was like... Uh, but he also picked a French name. Right. It's like his French, the French <laughs> surrender to our ship. There's no one on the <laughs> ship. It's just, just you know, get a tugboat, take one of our carriers over to France. They'll surrender to the ship. I mean, it really is pathetic. It's pathetic. Right? It, it, surrender is a great way. He's surrendered, essentially, to Twitter. Oh, my he, gosh. He's embarrassed and, like... He can't deal with the ramifications of his own opinions. I know. This is a man who wanted to be president I of know. the United States. How sad and pathetic. I, you know, I just, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry that he is so worried that he, that he's just going to be unpopular with somebody that he just can't really say what he believes. I mean, and listen to what he does say. So can you imagine how far out of the mainstream he really is. If this is his, oh, I'm, I'm going to say these things. Those things are not popular with conservatives. Is right. he just... I, I mean, you look at the stuff he liked. I mean, it was, you know, certainly anti-Trump, pro-Romney com, uh, content. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like he was, you know, I really like this content from Elizabeth Warren. Right. right? I mean, like, he's liking, you know. I don't know, because I don't know who the guy is. He's hiding behind uh, Mr. French et Franchement. Right. So I have no idea. He may be a French spy. I don't know, but it's sad. Imagine being a spy for France. Um, l- let me just give you this one, one quote here. Um, there is speculation, <laughs> I love this, that Hillary Clinton uh, may, may run. Uh, for the, 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 the be the nominee of the party. Those close to Clinton, speaking on the condition of anonymity uh, because they were not authorized to comment on her behalf, says that she has felt vindicated over the past few weeks after Trump's political difficulties, and that sentiment was reinforced when the State Department announced its probe into emails sent by her private server, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, said one of the insiders, it's unlikely that she would run. But put it this way. It ain't zero. And does she think about it all the time? I'm quoting. And does she think about it all the time? Absolutely. End quote. Hang on. We have Pierre on the phone? <laughs> yes. Oh, Mr. Dick. Yes, Pierre. Oh, this is Pierre Delecto. Yes. I, I believe I heard you talking uh-huh. about Hillary Clinton. 
Uh, yes, we were just talking about Hillary. If she does run for president, what about Vice President Mitt Romney? <laughs> the Mitt Romney would be perfect. This is Mitt Romney, isn't it? This is Pierre Delecto. <laughs> right, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Pierre. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. So I don't know if this is actually Nick DiPaolo uh, from NickDip.com uh, or if it is his his uh, his French uh, you know uh, pseudo uh, pseudonym here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like Mitt Romney. I don't know. Do you have one of those? or Because he was, Mitt Romney is so brave, he's willing to hide behind a, fr- a French alias on Twitter. <laughs> you know, he's the biggest disappointment. I actually believed in that stiff I did a too. few years ago. I did too. I, you know, I saw a documentary. I go, he's a good family man. Yep. He's very bright. He destroyed Obama in those debates. And, the first and, you one. Know, uh, even the second one, I, I I think he won. But but anyways, uh, but now he's just. Uh, it turns out he's just another backstabbing, two faced uh, GOP relic. It's, he it, really he really disappointed me. That's why I'm voting for a Liz Warren. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you think the odds are that Hillary Clinton is? Did you see the quote I gave it earlier? There was a quote from somebody on her staff that said, "Look, I'm I don't think this is going to happen. Is it possible? Yes. It, does she think about it all the time? Absolutely. That's a quote." Does she think about it all the time? Is that news? No, this, it's not. Po- this power-hungry, she's the most disgusting person on the planet. She's a sellout. She was part of the Lib Revolution and, and became a corporate shill. She slept with a guy who was very important, and that's how she got to the top. There's nothing authentic about her. She disgusts me. Of course she's thinking about it. And uh, she's out there touting her book with her daughter. They had 11 people, I think, at the uh, Barnes & Noble in San Antonio. Uh, I, have so, but, I have so much I, to say about, uh, you know, who would buy her book? I thought I, I was reading yesterday. I bought it. Did you? Yes, I did. I, I took a shotgun in my backyard and hung it up on my shed. Yeah, right through the eyes. Right. Oh, I, uh, I, I tell you, I, I, I thought, who is paying her for another book? And then I realized, oh, crap. It's Simon and Schuster, the people who I'm publishing my last book with. So I'll, Ooh, I'll save my there, Glenn. I'll easy. save my commentary and uh, for, uh, for a while. What's it like to write a book? I can't even push out a pamphlet. It's a nightmare. Years. It's a nightmare. I, I'm in the middle. That's what I heard. I'm in the middle of the final thing, and I just said to somebody, you know, I know authors, and they all say I can't talk to anybody for like six months. <laughs> I've got to do all my jobs. And write the book. I have been sequestered for the last uh, few days, except for this, trying to get uh, trying to get the final part on the book. But it's it's really good. This one is uh, about socialism and and, uh, and you, Elizabeth Warren and AOC and did, all that. You know a lot about that. Didn't you spend your honeymoon in Cuba? Was that you? <laughs> no, that was a strangely oh, that was uh, another... strangely not. So uh, uh, let's go through some of the uh, news of the day. Uh, first of all, the lynching thing. Oh, jeez. Please. 
I, and I was watching your friend Hillary there. She does a story. <laughs> she does a story on, uh, you know, Biden and all these Democrats back in the day using the lynching term. And then her next story is about Alzheimer's. They have a new test for it. I say they give it to the Democrat Party <laughs> and Biden. And uh, and may I say the media. Did you see? Do we have the thing we played a little while ago? The Ali Velcher thing from CNN. Please play this for so Nick can see that this is crazy. The. They all have amnesia or Alzheimer's and they, Alzheimer's. they can't remember that the reason why they made Bill Clinton the first black president was because they said his uh, impeachment was a lynching, a modern day lynching. Here's here is MSNBC yesterday trying to teach people what lynchings really are. Listen to this. President Trump invoked lynching today when talking about the constitutionally protected impeachment inquiry. He said, (laughs) quote, all Republicans must remember what they are witnessing here, a lynching. Let's be clear. Lynchings were terrorism, plain and simple, (laughs) slaughter used to testify to terrify African. I can't take it, Nick. I can't take it. Thank you for educating me, MSNBC. (laughs) I had no idea that lynching was terrorism. It, 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 I, I'm sick of calling. Here's the problem, Glenn. We always call out the double standards. I know. I can't take do, it anymore. But we do nothing about it. I know. They're, they're double and triple standards, but we do nothing so about it. So what are we going to do? What do you it, do? It, what do you suggest? Oh, okay, let's change it. No, it's a raping. Does that make you feel better? It's not a lynching. It's a rape. I mean, <laughs> this whole thing where you can't use terms, you know, from back in the day, because I, I'm afraid to buy Cool Whip because you can't use slavery terms and, and, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we are, we are getting nuts yeah, but, here. Okay, so I agree with you. I come yes. in every day. Every day I come in and I'm like, I don't want to talk about the double standard because it's just. But then you just look at the news and you're like, how? How do these people sleep at night? They don't. They, well, they sleep with each other from CNN. I just saw some of the Project Veritas. See that guy? What's his name? Brusque? No, Steve Brusque? Oh, my uh, God. He looks like he's in his late hundreds. Ugliest guy I've ever seen. He's making moves on 20-year-olds. What am I doing comedy for? A guy like that can... <laughs> um, but <laughs> what, was, what were we talking about? I'm we sorry. We were talking about... about I'm, talk, I'm tired of talking about the hypocrisy and the double standards. Yeah. But, you, well, but it's, it's like it's so bad and so crazy. Yeah. We, we have to, uh, you know, we have to get tougher. They can, why are we always chasing them, Glenn? Why That's are true. we always chasing them? Seriously, I want this answered by you're a smart guy. You're a zillionaire. How, <laughs> why are we always chasing them? Do they have better lawyers, the Democrats? Are they smarter? Why are we, I know they control the media, all the institutions, the colleges. Why are we <laughs> always chasing them? Uh, I, I will we, tell you this. Help this me, is please. Why, this is why I, I am I'm following on the chalkboard. Next week, I'm going to do another special because... Uh, we have we have listened to them and we're going to present their argument. But I'm also going to show you what the media has done since our last chalkboard. And I've been saying this since the day we had it. Stop playing defense. Play offense. You got them. You have them on this. And what are we doing? We're we're talking about quid pro quo. There was no quo. Lots of quid. No quo. What are you doing? Stop defending and go on the offense. 
Isn't that isn't that because they control the message still? No, I mean, I the mainstream think... media, the internet, isn't isn't that why? Until we wrestle that from them, and that's going to take 40, 50 years to turn this ship around. I won't be around for it. Yeah, there's no, there's, it's not turning around. That ship's yeah. not turning around. So, so how, how do we get into question, a lifeboat? I just want to throw let, that in real quick. Yeah. <laughs> let me, I know. I hear the, the guys playing in the band. Yeah. The deck is getting soaked. Yeah. Every, why what? is everybody in a tuxedo smoking cigars and saying, let's die like gentlemen? No, get in the, get your ass in the boat. Oh, I'd, I'd be throwing women overboard. I'd be punching <laughs> kids in the face. Get out of the way. Go on the offensive. Uh, but what do you, what do you, how do we answer this for me? I asked the guy that runs a media research center when I was filling in for Dennis Miller. How did the liberals get control of media in the first place? I, I know there's a there's a theory out there when when after World War II. Uh, no. no, I'm not going to bring that. What, no, it was explain. it was it was, what, it was the progressive. Er, it was the progressive era. It was Woodrow Wilson, uh, that Colonel House. Rat. I know Colonel House, uh, Edward Bernays and the guy who ran CBS. Uh, and they, uh, and they like I know this, yeah, I know this sounds like a conspiracy. Cause when you say these words, everybody's like, oh, it's a conspiracy. No, it's out in the open. Um, uh, but they, they put together the, uh, what, what is that organization called Stu that they put together? Remember? Uh, NAACP. No, no, it's for the news. <laughs> All of the, the eggheads get together. Uh, Bloomberg. No, no, a White House correspondence <laughs> dinner. Shoot, it's the conspiracy place that everybody's like, oh, yeah, because you're in oh, the... the info was. <laughs> no, another one. <laughs> anyway, uh, they Gilligan's put... Island. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. I know somebody's in their car right now going, dummy, it's this Council of Foreign Relations. Oh, so they, I read about them. They, they put that together. Uh, yeah. And what it was is we're going to we'll handpick the experts yes. and they will meet with the press and the experts will teach the press what the people are too stupid to understand, and the press will then go sell that to the people. And do you know who, I'm going to show you a little savvy, I'm not just a comic, do you know who headed up the Council on Foreign Relations? No. Mika Brzezinski's old man. Uh, yeah, I think he, he did, yeah. He did, that scumbag, and that's why she's an idiot. <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> Make to follow from me. From NickDip.com. If you have not seen his uh, special, uh, there's no rating for it. Uh, it's It just goes right down to the lowest, most foul. But it's funny as hell. Uh, you can find it at NickDip.com, NickDip.com. So let me, let me, Nick, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. A couple, couple of stories here. Yeah. One, uh, the Daily Caller. We asked every GOP senator about impeachment, and only seven ruled it out. And they're making it into a big deal that only seven ruled it out. Would you, if you were a senator, would you rule it out, or you'd say, I'd like to see the evidence. I want to see the case. Or would you just uh, rule it out? I fight like the Democrats. I fight 30. I'd go, I, I rule it out. I wouldn't even think twice. But this is all kabuki theater anyways, Glenn. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Okay. As from my understanding of impeachment, if it passes in the House, then the Senate, if there's an impeachment trial, becomes the jury. Yes. This, this is how it works. Right. You really think the Republicans uh, are going to 
convict Trump and cut their own political throats and, and then no longer exist as a party. This is all but this is all symbolic on Nancy Pelosi's part and Schiff to cancers and blights on this country. It's all kabuki theater. It, 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 he's not going to get impeached just for that reason. He's, I actually, the, I the actually, Senate controls the uh, the Republicans control the Senate. If, so what are we talking about here? We're wasting our time. If it goes to the Senate. In a way, I actually would like to see it go through because they can call witnesses the other side. And and if they're smart, they turn this whole thing around because the Senate will the, the Trump could make his case uh, that is uh, that I think is very, very clear that the media is just not covering. Bill O'Reilly thinks I'm wrong on that because he said nobody is going to nobody's going to watch it. But I think people would. I mean, everybody watched the OJ trial, everybody watched the impeachment of Bill Clinton. I think they're going to watch this. Yeah, they also watched American Idol in record numbers. I don't be too right. sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. If, this, if there's something on A&E that night about, You're right. uh, uh, you know, about the Kardashians, it'll be uh, neck and neck. That's why we're in this soup. Let me, uh, let me get your thoughts on this. A new bill brought by a Massachusetts state legislature uh, would make it a crime to maliciously call somebody, excuse the expression, a bitch within the Commonwealth. That's the reason I moved out of Massachusetts a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I use that term a lot. I'm cr- married. No, that, it, we, you got that. You got the three kids in Connecticut who are yelling racial slurs. Did you see that? They got arrested. Yeah. yeah yelling and, racial well, slurs. Well, they got arrested. They were, yell- so they were yelling the N-word uh, in public yeah. in, at, at, around a college campus. And it was fascinating. The Washington Post wrote a whole story about it. And at no point did they bring up the First Amendment question here. Can you get arrested for saying a word? Did you notice that Ali Vecchi, what what he said on that MSNBC thing? The first thing he said was the constitutionally protected impeachment. It's the only time those guys ever talk about Constitution. Oh, yeah. Only time. Only time. They, well, the other time they talk about it, they say it's a living and breathing document. And, yeah. I, and I wish they I wish they, they felt that way about nine month old fetuses. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great joke, ladies and gentlemen. That is a great line. Even Mark so what, is a, what is a what's the life of a comedian really like? My son wants to be a comedian and uh, he's well, not. Funny. I suggest you find a methadone clinic real soon. Right. Yeah, well, it depends at what level you're at. It's, it, it's, uh, it's fun when you're in your 20s, you're on the road, getting STDs in every city, and you can laugh about it. Uh, you know, that part's fun. Then you hit your 30s, and you're, like, checking into the Holiday Express in, in Cleveland again for the eighth time, and you're like, do I really want to see the bowling, the bowling Hall of Fame again or the Spam Factory? And then you're like, this isn't that fun. And then, then you start calling escort services. You know, I, I called right. one call. It was called Visiting Angels. I thought it was an escort service. It turns out it's for all people health care. <laughs> nurse showed up with a bedpan. We worked it into the fun, but uh, oh. I, I, it's, it's, let me tell you something. You better be good at it because uh, it can get pretty lonely out there. It, it, it's when you're on stage, Glenn, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, when you come off stage, like Billy Crystal said, Mr. Saturday night, all the guys want to be your friends. All the girls over 400 pounds want to sleep with you. Um, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it's great. I haven't had a boss. I haven't had a boss since 1988. 
And, and, you know, I used to be able to get up at noontime on a Monday. I was saying that till I met my manager and we started doing this streaming show. Now, now I keep the hours of a fisherman. My alarm goes <laughs> off at 5 a.m. Look at me. I've aged 300 years and left. So, I but know, tell I'm your son to do it. I'm actually only 20. <laughs> <laughs> tell your son to, I mean, if you, you got to get it out of your system. You, you got to do it. And if he goes up and even two people laugh, it, it, I'm telling you, it's, it's addictive. a drug. I mean, it, there, it, there's, there can't be anything better than making people laugh and feel good and laugh hard. That just, I mean, I can't imagine how that's, how that could not be addicting. Well, the reason I did it, somebody told me when I was young, if you can make a woman laugh, you can make her do anything. So that's, that's why a, I get into it. And then right. I turned, I grew up and I, I, a loaded handgun has the same effect. Right. But, uh, <laughs> And I would uh, in today's world, that kind of they're both kind of the same. Um, they, yes, they are. Yeah. So, That's Nick, uh, how's the special going? We are at about 920,000 views. We only released this in May. So I say we hit a million views by probably Thanksgiving. Uh, breath of fresh air. Uh, I'm the pioneer on this stuff, folks. I, I hate to keep blowing my own horn here, but I was pushing these uh, anti-PC things and doing this type of comedy uh late 90s yeah. uh so i i've taken a beat and i've been i've been assaulted uh, by a woman after a show i i've been on the phone with the fbi uh twice this year uh, about threats and uh, i've put in my dues anybody that comes out to my show it's not because they saw me on tv or because i'm famous it's because of my comedy and uh i'm, I'm doing it the hard way but uh the special is really it really is Nick DiPaolo essence. I, I I let it fly. And even Billy Burr said to me, you know, he's politically he's a little opposite to me, but he said this special is good for comedy. So I think, uh, I think you is. know, people are looking for, for something like this. Breath of Fresh Air. It's on YouTube. And go to nickdip.com if you want. All right. Nickdip.com. Nick, good talking to you, brother. You're the best. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. You bet. Right. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. We have John Ziegler on the program today. Now, if you're a longtime listener of this program, you may have heard him in the past, and uh, he generally uh, seems to make a lot of sense. He generally, uh, well, he's not popular, and he's not popular because he's always on the other side of things, always, uh, and many times he's right. Now, he just spent the day yesterday with Matt Lauer, and... Uh, and I thought, you know, we should have we should have John uh, on the uh, on the radio program because we haven't heard Matt Lauer's side of the story. But I am I'm concerned that John Siegler, because there isn't anybody that's, you know, rushing and saying, hey, John, I was part of the Armenian genocide. Uh, please defend me. <laughs> I think he you know, he may. Ah, oh, he may end up being the most hated man in America. Welcome to the program, John Ziegler. 
Well, I've had a lot of interesting intros on this program, but that one takes the cake. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, you don't, you do, and like I said, you're generally right. I think the things that you've said, I'm just afraid of where you're going to, where you're going to take this one. Well, uh, look, uh, here's the the bottom line of this. Um, You know, Matt Lauer, as you uh, guys obviously know, was one of the biggest uh, media stars in the world in November of 2017, got fired in the midst of the post-Harvey Weinstein Me Too situation, has never done an interview Mm. of, of any kind since then. And now with Ronan Farrow's new book, uh, uh, alleging that he raped uh, an NBC former NBC producer named Brooke Nevels in the, in the at the Sochi Olympics in 2014, uh, something that she never claimed before until uh, by any evidence until she spoke to Ronan Farrow, which I don't think is coincidental. Um, I'm you know Matt Lauer, who I have known in the past because I've done three major interviews with him uh, on other issues. Um, I, uh, he called me, uh, about, uh, a week and a half ago and, and, and said, can we talk? And I said, sure. And, um, you know, we've, we've probably spoke about three hours on the phone, partially about the, the facts of the, the case, uh, partially about negotiating a potential meeting, uh, get together off the record interview, uh, and so eventually, uh, we, we did that. And yesterday I, took a, this is so crazy. Only John Ziegler would be dumb enough to do this. <laughs> I, I, I took a red eye flight from Los Angeles to New York, drove out to the Hamptons, spent the entire day with Matt Lauer and flew back. Also, I didn't have to pay for a damn hotel room. Um, <laughs> so, 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 um, so I'm a little, a little tired right now, yeah. uh, because I'm back in, I'm back in LA. Oh, good. But, uh, but the, Sleep deprivation uh, is like truth serum. So, right, so right. tell us what you're thinking, John. Well, well, I can assure you that if anybody, uh, if if there was some way to have uh, aired live video of the five and a half hours I spent grilling Matt Lauer uh, yesterday uh, in the Hamptons, and then that was somehow accessible to the public, that w- it would have been a Super Bowl rating. Oh, I'm sure it would have. Um, this was. I have done a lot of very high-profile uh, interviews in my career, um, and this was the most extraordinary of its kind that I've that I've ever done. Um, this is uh, on a, on multiple levels. On a human level, I'm talking about just on a human level. I mean, this is a man who uh, admits to making enormous mistakes, uh, and and I <laughs> grill him over those. Uh, and by the way, all this is in a column uh, entitled "After Meeting with Matt Lauer." He has a compelling story, but does he have a fair place to tell it? Which has just gone out on Mediate. Okay. I, I thought it was going to go out a little earlier than it did, but you know how these things work in this business. So that apparently is now out. Um, and I urge people to read it. We took a photo together to prove that we had met. That was one of the conditions of the of the meeting. And uh, I, I'll just say it because um, you know you, this is the way I am. I, I am convinced that the idea that he raped this woman uh, is absurd. I mean, I, I it is, it, and and I think that there are there are people who are very 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 close to the story and to her who know that the allegation is absurd and they have not been willing to come forward publicly. Uh, They've done so privately. Uh, I would urge them to come forward publicly and tell the real truth of what happened here. 
But uh, I, I also think I said there's multiple levels to this. There's the human level. There's the the allegation, you know, what actually happened. And then there's also the Ronan Farrow issue. And I got to tell you, Glenn, uh, you know, I bought into the whole Ronan Farrow thing mm-hmm. back during Harvey Weinstein. And then when he went after Brett Kavanaugh and what I refer to as a an urban legend, I started yes. to go. I said, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And now after I've gotten deep into this Matt Lauer thing, and when I read his two chapters on Matt Lauer, which are a freaking joke, I mean, they are a journalist, they are journalistic garbage. This is page six meets Alex Jones type stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. This is insanity, what he was allowed to write, and he's allowed to do it because he's now a media darling who gets no scrutiny whatsoever. He is a dangerous man, Glenn. The, the, the idea that he is now the arbiter of, of you know, adult male-female sexual relationships uh, is just unbelievable. Uh, so, and, I thought that the Kavanaugh thing was an interesting moment with Ronan Farrow because he really tried to parlay his credibility with the Weinstein thing into taking Kavanaugh out, including embracing like the ninth string accusers uh, of Kavanaugh, not even the main ones. And he didn't seem like to the take... ones that Avenatti was like, okay, this is ridiculous. <laughs> right. I mean, he really, he really went to the well. I thought it was the uh, the moment where he jumped the shark. Yeah, I, I I thought, and it was an eye opening moment. I agree with you, Stu, one hundred percent. That that's what he tried to do. He tried to use his street cred on Weinstein to take out Kavanaugh. Now, at that point, to me, he was an activist. But that doesn't mean. You're, you're always wrong. I mean, maybe he just yeah. missed one. Maybe he just yep. missed one on that. But now that I've gotten into the details on this, uh, it, like what it, have it, you? Like what did you find out? Okay, from, well, from, from well, that? Well, well, one of the more amazing things <laughs> is that you know, um, Ronan Farrow met with Matt Lauer just before publication, and Ronan Farrow acknowledged to Matt and to another person who I spoke to this other person as, as well that um, Brooke Neville's. Uh, and this is this is these are Ronan Farrow's words. Uh, came to her uh, uh, conclusion that Lauer had, or quote unquote, raped her. Quote, in hindsight, in hindsight. In other words, after with many years after it happens, after the, the firing, where she never tells NBC anything uh, about a, a rape, she tells NBC about a consensual affair on company. Property. That's why Matt Lauer got fired. And that's there's been a lot of media smoke surrounding all of that. But people don't need they need to understand that that's how this all went down. It was in the midst of that moral panic post Weinstein. Me too. NBC needs a scout because they're being attacked on their their rejection of the uh, Ronan Farrow Weinstein story. And they decapitate Matt Lauer in 24 hours uh, for what I believe was more political purposes than anything else. The rules changed. And by the way, Lauer never even fought that. He never fought his contract being broken. He, he, he didn't do an interview about it because he felt horrible about what he had done to his family. He didn't want to fight it. He accepted responsibility for his mistakes, and he thought that was going to be the end of it. And now he's being accused of rape because, as you guys know, once the media decapitates you, now they feel like they can feed off your carcass. Oh, yeah. And, 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 so, and so this is what's happened here. Farrow is promoting what I believe in to be an activist position on, on Me Too using Matt Lauer's carcass. Well, now Matt Lauer's like, well, wait a minute. i got to fight back. 
And but he doesn't know how to do it because we don't live in a world where there is any sense of media fairness on this issue, especially. And and so, you know, and he's being bombarded with interview uh, requests constantly. And, of course, you know, it's perfectly logical that when that happens, you go to John Ziegler instead. Right. <laughs> which, well, I will which tell you this, John. I mean, I wouldn't go to the mainstream media. I, w- I wouldn't. I'd go to somebody like you. I'd, I'd go someplace where. The guy has a reputation of listening to the other side because the, I've done too many interviews and seen and Matt is, you know, Matt knows this too many interviews where the interviewer is just coming in for a ratings hit or to increase their popularity or whatever. They don't actually care to listen. They know what they're looking for. And that's the way most people are. A hundred percent on this issue. That's exactly what has happened. And as far as, you know, me assessing his credibility, let me just tell you how um, the uh, how this went down. I mean, I am the person who told Matt Lauer, I don't know what percentage, but a huge percentage of what is in Ronan Farrow's book, because he didn't even want to read it. He's so disgusted by it. So I'm I'm getting his reaction to in real time, real time. To the allegations. Now, if, I, I, you, you've done a million interviews as well. That's about as 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 credible as it gets yeah. in, the, in determining someone's, uh, you know, whether or not their story makes sense. Because this isn't a cover story he's coming to me with. Let me tell you my version of events, and I've got X, Y, and Z all nailed down. He's literally reacting to me in real time to things he's never heard before, and has ex. Extraordinary detail, extraordinary detail in his responses. He didn't uh, sidestep any of my inquiries. I mean, you, you guys know me. I mean, we, we spent five and a half hours talking about this. We weren't talking about why the Yankees didn't make the World Series, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this, was, this was as excruciating a uh, uh, five and a half hours as Matt Lauer could possibly have ever experienced uh, in, in verbally in his life. Uh, I mean, it, there's, it was emotional at times. Uh, it was extremely fact-based. He was as open as I could have possibly imagined. He has an incredibly compelling story. And this story goes way beyond Matt Lauer. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Like listening to this podcast? If you're not a subscriber, become one now on iTunes. And while you're there, do us a favor and rate the show. We welcome to the program the host of Louder with Crowder, Stephen Crowder. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Uh, not good, Glenn. Not good? What did you no, just do? good. I just... Go ahead. You had me. I was listening to your advertisements, your, your sponsors, and, and wonderful. You do a great job. Thank you. I will say this, Glenn. You're probably one of the best guys I know when I used to watch uh, on Fox when you would use a, a prompter. And I know the scandal prompter, right, because you're doing a full-hour show. It's really hard to tell if something is written or you're off the cuff. And that's really just the, the performance artist in you. It's, it's a real skill, and I envy it. But I, I'm not doing well because um, – I was waiting here while you're doing your sponsors, and I found uh, found myself reading a BuzzFeed listicle. I guess they call them, you know, yeah, top twenty-five. Right. And, yeah. I mean, now now I just now I want to kill myself. Why? What is the, <laughs> what is the listicle about? What did, what did you find? 
It doesn't matter. It's the fact that it's BuzzFeed. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's National Awareness Day, and I just think these are these are the these are the issues that slide in between the cracks. And if we were to look at you know the, the current uh, suicide epidemic, it's a pandemic. I, I think there's some responsibility of, of BuzzFeed articles. I think BuzzFeed articles lead to mass suicide. That's a theory. I think it's a pretty good theory myself. Uh, it's why I yeah. don't go to BuzzFeed. Uh, just that, try, you know what? That's the, that. That, maybe that's why no one's talking about it. Yeah, it probably has a, a. It sounds like a relatively simple solution. Yeah, I've got a listicle. Uh, number one, don't go there. <laughs> End. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Stephen, yesterday your show was really compelling, uh, and you were trending uh, on YouTube as you were t- as you were taking YouTube apart. Uh, I love this about yeah. you because they. They don't want to hide you anymore because you're just exposing them. Tell it. Tell the well, audience. Think, that, go ahead. I, I think they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I, I want to make sure people understand, like with my channel and the demonetization, all that stuff is, is separate from, from what we stumbled across. So for people who haven't found, uh, who haven't watched this video yet, it's available at YouTube. It's available at The Blaze. Listen, we were demonetized last summer. And so when that started happening, that wasn't really what concerned us. What concerned us was this all of a sudden drop off in organic reach and search. And we realized that we weren't, you know, we weren't showing up. If you type in Steven Crowder, change my mind, my stuff doesn't show up. And we told people in the audience, hundreds of thousands of people responded or sent screenshots. And some of them said we were lying, saying, no, you show up perfectly fine. We're going, why is there such a discrepancy in the search results? Well, we realized that if people were searching in the United States exclusively, my content wouldn't show up. But if they switch their VPN, you know, effectively, which is like a a digital web kind of address to Germany or Spain, anywhere that's not the U.S., it would show up. So we said, okay, let's run some more tests on this. And we just happened to be running some tests because we've been going back and forth with YouTube on Tulsi Gabbard because everyone was talking about some, you know, everyone has some suspicions that she's being kind of silenced by the DNC. And uh, what happened was immediately the night when Hillary Clinton accused um, Tulsi Gabbard of being a Russian asset, which, by the way, apparently I'm paid by the Russians to reveal this information as well. That, that was another conspiracy. Oh, that's really good. But, you know, Steven, Steven, I mean, honestly, I mean, honestly, hang on just a second. I have to ask you this a side question. As a comedian, as a guy who makes a lot of money writing comedy and delivering comedy, you couldn't have even come up with the Hillary Clinton story that she is peddling now about her, the election, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, it's beyond reason. Right. No, I mean, last week we just had a sketch with Donald Trump Twitch streaming uh, Minecraft, and it's less absurd than the current story <laughs> with Hillary Clinton. Right. Um, yeah. So, so, so what happened was, if you search Tulsi Gabbard anywhere not in the United States, her channel showed up and videos from her channel showed up. She switched her VPN exclusively to the United States. She was nowhere to be found. And then it switched right back when she stopped trending. So effectively, she was not able to defend herself. And keep in mind, Tulsi Gabbard has a lawsuit, a pending lawsuit against Google and YouTube for shutting her out from Google ads during a debate. And you and I know this, Glenn. You have a window of opportunity with a debate, especially if you're kind of seen as a second-tier candidate and you gain some momentum, Mm -hmm. and that's what's happened with Tulsi. She's Mm -hmm. kind of like the left. Uh, Carly Fiorina. You know, she's done really well in the debates and impressed a lot of people, and then people can't find her when they search her. So this is one of those things. It was so bizarre to me. YouTube says, well, it's geographically based, and we want to best serve our audience. I would love for YouTube and Google to answer me, you, anyone, particularly their shareholders, why they think it is best serving the audience to not offer them up the channel of a sitting representative who is currently 
only running for president of the United States, only in the United States. It, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, we don't know exactly what's happening, but we do know that we tested this from multiple different VPNs, and the same results came up all the time. Okay, and so really let, let, me, let, me, let me just break this down for people in, sure. in case you, one more time, in case you didn't, you didn't get this. Tulsi Gabbard was trending outside of the United States, where you would think the trend would be lower because why does somebody in Spain care about this, right. you know, this thing with Tulsi Gabbard? Most Americans don't even know Tulsi Gabbard. How do the, you know, how do the Spanish, why are they, why is she trending there? Okay. Not trending here until well, she, she stopped. For Spanish. To, pardon me? In their defense, she has that sort of, she could be confused for Spanish. In, her, in their defense, she has that really very, uh, very appealing, generically like Abercrombie ethnic look. Where you're like, ooh, <laughs> Spanish? Is she, they're Polynesian? I will say this. I find her very attractive. Her and Nikki Haley, very attractive. But I do have to correct you. Tulsi Gabbard was trending in the United States on Twitter and on Facebook. So she was trending even in the United States. But right. if you searched Tulsi Gabbard on YouTube, where she has a channel, by the way, you didn't find Tulsi Gabbard's content. You found other content from people uh, accusing her of, or news outlets accusing her of being a Russian outlet. So she was trending. Okay, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So her content, and that includes one of the things she was doing on her channel that was live, right? I, I, I can't confirm that she was doing something live at that moment. But again, it was her channel wasn't showing up, nor videos from her channel. So she was trending. And then if, you're on, if you go onto YouTube from any country that's not the United States, and you search Tulsi Gabbard, boom, Tulsi Gabbard's direct uh, channel and video show up. The only place where it was like a ghost, she didn't show up at all, was the United States. Do we have any idea yet of what their defense is of, of this, Stephen? Well, you know, in, in our case, we stumbled across it because they've been doing this with Change My Mind. Like, I don't know why if you type in Stephen Crowder, Change My Mind, someone... I don't know why YouTube would serve them, you know, a rebuttal video from an atheist with two subscribers saying that I work for the Russians, but that's what happened. Um, usually when we talk with YouTube, they offer three defenses, right? It's an algorithm. Okay. Well, an algorithm is created by a person, right? And here's the thing. We've talked with YouTube quite a bit, and they actually switched our channel recently to whatever it's called, like an official verified preferred channel when we complained. So someone flipped the switch so that our channel shows up now which means it's not an algorithm. We are mm-hmm. in a position to prove and say, no, 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 no. We spoke with high ups at YouTube. They fixed our channel. So that would be one defense that's not true, that it's just an algorithm. Another ultimately is someone who makes this call. Sure. Then they can say, well, the algorithms are geographically based to best serve an audience. Again, how does it best serve the American audience for them to exclusively not find someone running for president of the United States? Right. And they might try and say, well, it's just some lower level employee. But I've got to imagine... Because my name is, I mean, they've, they've been watching our, our Narcos parody and our, our, our transgender breastfeeding Hitler sketches at YouTube headquarters because they've talked with us about it. They've talked with us about these sketches, which to me is hysterical that in, in, in Palo Alto they're watching a lot of kind of content. I can just imagine the counseling that has to take place. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine that the management of a channel of a sitting presidential candidate who is currently suing the company wouldn't be passed off to some patsy for the higher-ups. And while we're talking about preferred channel status, because that's a new change YouTube has made, shouldn't all people running for president of the United States right now, shouldn't there be a meeting that all of them have official verified channel status? Why would Tulsi Gabbard not? So they can make those arguments. I don't think it passes the sniff test, and I don't think it passes the common sense test. Most people will go, well, of course I assume 
Google, who, by the way, control 90% of the search market globally, Google. If you, we talk about, you know, the example I use is if JFK were not able to get on NBC, ABC, CBS back in the day, if they blacklisted him, he would have never been the candidate. He would have never been president. Well, Google has at least that much power, much more globally, and they're in more households and used by more Americans than all TV networks combined. And if they are not acting truthfully, or at least most Americans would assume, well, if I'm going on Google or if I'm going to YouTube, I just like Tulsi Gabbard and debate. I want to see what she has to say. I don't think anyone in their right mind would ever assume that YouTube would be preventing them from seeing Tulsi Gabbard's content. But that's the, that's the problem. With, there's, there's the bias by uh, proactive lies, which we see, but oh. this is far more subversive because people never know it. And, and, and that really, really worries me. This is the most powerful company in the history of the world. And I mean that. I mean that. You go to the Western India trading company, you can look at the English empire. No one has the influence over the delivery of information right now that Google, YouTube have. Maybe if you add up Facebook, Twitter, and all I, of them tend to be lean significantly less. I will tell yeah. you, Stephen, that this is the first time I've said this uh, recently a couple of times, and uh, and I, I and, and maybe somebody can correct me on this, but this is the first time that I think that our founders just couldn't even imagine. And, it, you know, it's not like they could imagine that we weren't, you know, we we're going to go to the moon or something like that. I mean that when they're putting the Constitution together, they couldn't imagine that people in power in the government would cede their power to each other and then to a corporation. And a corporation would be bigger than any government and possibly right. all governments of the world. They just would have never seen that. Right. And, and like you said, I don't want to go down that slippery slope of, you know, people say, well, the First Amendment doesn't apply to iPhones. No, it applies to everything. But in this case, it's a little different because YouTube and Google, by the way, have hosted political debates. People send in their questions via YouTube. They have chosen to engage in the political sphere right now. And they have come out and said, we are a public platform. They are not a publisher. But if they are creating algorithms or if someone is manually removing search results from a current presidential candidate, that is not acting like a platform. That is acting like a publisher. What we need is transparency. What we need are answers. And I want to be really clear. I can't stand most of Tulsi Gabbard's policies. I, you know, and when people say, well, she's one of the more reasonable ones, that's because she's the only current Democratic candidate who said there should be some cutoff for abortion. And it was 28 weeks. That's seven months. So she says, let's stop abortion after seven months. How about that? And they go, Russia, 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 Russian plant. So it's odd to me that Google and these tech companies like Tulsi Gabbard isn't far left enough. It's, it, it's, it's mind boggling. And I, I, I think it's super important because, listen, I think Donald Trump's going to win. And, of course, I don't want Tulsi Gabbard to be president. Of course, I don't want Bernie Sanders to be president. But I want it to be an honest win. I want the Democrats to still get the candidate that they've chosen, right? Donald Trump was not supported by donors. That's a great example. How did Donald Trump become president? People wanted him, and he was using new media, social media, right? It wasn't, if, you could, if you were to compare the power that's wielded from big money, be it the Koch brothers or big oil, to Google and big tech, it's not even close, close. because we yeah. have a president who didn't even have the backing of that big money. Yeah. He had his own mediums on new media, and, that, and they've come out and said, we didn't do anything to stop Donald Trump. And now it looks like they're trying to stop Tulsi Gabbard. I can't say it one, with 100% fact, but I can absolutely say that when this was trending, if you search Tulsi Gabbard on YouTube, you did not get Tulsi Gabbard. And that is either an oversight 
there's such complete ineptitude that they cannot be running 90% of search information. There needs to be more transparency, or they need to answer for something more sinister going on. Stephen Crowder from uh, from Louder with Crowder. You can uh, sign up, follow him on YouTube, uh, and uh, you can find him at louderwithcrowder.com. Also, he is a member of The Blaze, where you can see the show he's talking about, either on YouTube or if you're a member of The Blaze, it's also on blazetv.com. Stephen, thank you so much. Talk to you again. The Blaze Radio Network. On Demand.